I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I assume you all remember we clergy did devotionals last year, and you know what we talked about. We picked out our favorite psalms, and we talked about those. And I picked out Psalm 146, which has these verses in it. Do not trust in princes or in human beings who cannot deliver. Their life's breath departs. They return to the ground. On that day, their plans die. Now, due to scheduling, I said I would do today's message before we decided on the content of what we were going to talk about. And so here I am considering God's kingdom coming on earth. Well, I want to use those verses from the psalm to jump off onto today's petition of the Lord's Prayer. I want us to remember that earthly rulers, earthly kingdoms and nations will surely die. But what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer is not an earthly kingdom. The second petition of the Lord's Prayer is where we, as Jesus' disciples, ask God to establish God's eternal kingdom on earth. Now, we all know our tradition's way of saying this prayer, but I want to read to you a different translation. It's the contemporary English version, and it puts it like this. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. I want us to consider, what is it that we are praying for when we pray for God's kingdom to be set up on earth? And when you stop and consider this verse, it certainly rules out any idea that the kingdom of God is an otherworldly reality. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are not asking for pie in the sky by and by. When we are asking to live in God's kingdom, when we are asking to do God's will, it is here on earth. Heaven and earth are words that we tend to use to describe different areas. Heaven is God's space. It is where God's will is always done. Earth is our space where God's will isn't always done. But earth is also where God is involved. Think of what we read in the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God has been involved in our human history. Just consider Moses and the Hebrew slaves who were freed from Egypt. That was all God's doing. And ultimately, God comes into our history in Jesus. Now, as Christians, our hope is that someday the two, heaven and earth, will be connected. Think about what John saw in his vision that's recorded in the book of Revelation. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God will dwell with them. Someday, someday God's space and our space will be joined at last. And that is what we pray for when we pray, Thy kingdom come. Now the people of Israel in Jesus' time, they had been longing for God to restore their true king. But they approached it from an earth-only perspective, an expected political leader. They had had enough of false kings. The Roman emperors had ruled them for a hundred years, and they were pagans. And for 200 years before that, they were controlled by the Greeks. And by the time of Jesus, Israel was praying for and hoping for God, who had brought them out of Egypt, that God would take up the power and the glory, and that God would establish the kingdom again as his own. God's prophets had promised the coming of a king from God, and the people longed for the fulfillment. Ezekiel, the prophet, said, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel. And from the prophet Isaiah, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and God's arm rules for him. See, God's reward is with him, and God's recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Now, those are just two of the prophetic statements about the king who would come and rule in the Lord's power. But he would be like a shepherd looking for the lost lambs. And Jesus knew these prophecies, and he deliberately made them the theme of his work in ministry. This is what Jesus said about himself I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, Jesus was making a bold statement. He was saying, I am the king you've been longing for. And in his life and in his teachings, we see and we hear what God's will is. In Jesus, we know what we are praying for. We know what we're asking for when we say, Your kingdom come, your will be done. When Jesus started his ministry, he took up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in Jesus' life and ministry, he implemented that passage. Consider the release of the prisoner and freedom for the oppressed. When Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, it wasn't just about repentance and forgiveness of that one young man. It was the story of the new exodus, of the captives and the oppressed being truly set free, free from injustice and evil. It was Jesus' call to liberation, but not with swords, but by grace, mercy, and love. Think about who Jesus hung out with. When you read the Gospels, repeatedly we are told that the religious leaders were upset because Jesus hung out with the sinners, the tax collectors, and the sick. Jesus went to the rejected members of society and he showed them what God's kingdom and what God's will was all about. Consider his healings. And it wasn't just recovery of sight. He went to those who were paralyzed and healed them. Those with uncontrolled bleeding, even those who had died. And those healings Jesus shows us that God's kingdom was at hand and because it was, people were being made whole physically and spiritually. Jesus was bringing about the kingdom of God, not by might, but by grace and mercy. Jesus embodied God's kingdom and will. And when he taught his disciples to pray that prayer, to say, thy kingdom come, he was asking them to pray that he would succeed in his mission. And the Lord's prayer was answered, and it's still being answered. It started on Good Friday, but his disciples didn't know it then. It continued on Easter when Jesus came out of the grave and the work of the kingdom has been going on ever since. What Jesus' disciples came to understand was this. In his life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the tomb, God's kingdom had come. The kingdom of God had broken in on earth but in a radically different way than what had been expected. Instead of swords, it came with forgiveness for sins. Instead of war, it came with food for the hungry. Instead of death, it came with healing and wholeness for the sick. Instead of the grave, it came with resurrection and hope. So what does it mean for us to pray this prayer today. Let me suggest this. When we pray, thy kingdom come, it means seeing the world through the eyes of the loving God who created it and who came into it to redeem it. And it means seeing through the grieving eyes of God 
as a battered, hurting world is still in need of healing. Bring those two images together and see the people. See the world around us. With love and grief through the eyes of Jesus dying on the cross. With his tortured and beaten body hanging on the cross before you, pray again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying for the redemption of the world, for the final defeat of injustice, evil, and sin. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying for heaven and earth to be married at last. And if we pray this prayer, then we must be prepared to live this prayer. We are asking God to take us as part of his body, the church, and turn us into a community of healed healers. We are asking God to make us freed captives who tell others how to escape oppression. When we pray this prayer, we are asking God to make us well-fed with our daily bread so we can go and feed the hungry in Jesus' name. When we pray this prayer, we're asking God to empower us to be the ones who do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks be to God.